Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. It is so great to be with you and great to be with you online. My name is Andy Nelms, and I have the privilege of being the pastor here at Thrive and associate pastor um, at Lover's Lane. And I am so excited to get to be with you for the first time indoors. Can you believe it? This is the first time I've been able to worship with you with like walls and a ceiling. This is, uh, this is new for me. So welcome. I am so glad to get to worship with all of you this morning. And um, this morning, it, you know, I've been thinking about it. Um, this morning is, is kind of a combination of a lot of things. Um, this morning is, um, of course, a Sunday that we get to worship God, which is always important. And, of course, we, we worship God with every part of us and, and every part of our week, not just uh, one day a week, but, but this morning is special because we get to come together as a community of faith wherever we are, whether we're in person or online, we are joined together by the Holy Spirit and worshiping God, so that's special. Today is All Saints, which is a, a time that we normally come together and we thank God for the people who have run the race, who have fought the good fight, who now rest from their labors, to whom God has said, well done, good and faithful servant, who are now participating in this worship that we do. They're participating in this worship, we believe, in the kingdom of God. That right now they're doing this very same thing um, with Christ, our Savior. It's a very special Sunday where we honor those saints, we thank them for their legacy, and we live into that legacy. I also acknowledge that this Sunday is the last Sunday we have to worship before an election. There, there, there's a lot of things that are culminating on this Sunday, and I want to be able to, to do them honor. And so before we begin, I want you to know that I have been praying for you as a community of faith, as we've been praying together, and, and I especially pray with you and for you during this election season. I believe that there are faithful people who are voting for both President Trump and for Vice President Joe Biden. I, I believe there are faithful people who are voting for, for both of those people. And I know that, that some of those people who are voting for either person don't quite understand how a person of faith can vote for the other person. And I think that that's really one of the systemic issues in our culture today. This really has nothing to do with the sermon, but I, I just wanted to say my prayer, my hope for us is empathy. This is not the first election where, where people of faith have voted for different people. But this is one of the times in our nation's history where we are so divided That even discourse becomes near impossible. And my hope, my prayer is that the church, the Sunday gathering, wherever we are, again, if we are online or if we are in person, my hope is, is that the Sunday gathering is where people who are on either side of this issue can come together and we can agree on Christ. And so I hope that you will join me as we pray for this upcoming election. As we pray for peace, as we pray for the kingdom of God to come to this earth, and as we pray for hope. 
I want to talk a little bit about hope this morning. Again, this morning is All Saints Sunday. It's a time that we remember those who have passed on before us. And it's interesting how death is one of the most unifying things for humanity, right? Like, like you could disagree with your neighbor about everything else, you know, politics or, or even religion, but you could all agree that at some point we are going to die. Death is a guarantee in this life, but it's interesting how death still has a way to surprise us. That, that maybe this morning, as we are remembering those saints who have passed on, or we are even mourning our own potential death, it's interesting how that pain and suffering takes a part in our life. That all of us have this part of pain and suffering in our life, and I've realized this, maybe you've learned this as well, that many times we lack the context necessary. We lack the context necessary um, to understand our pain. Have you ever had those moments, those times in life where, where you've had pain and suffering in your life, but there was no context for it? Maybe, um, maybe it was the passing of somebody close to you, and it was sudden, and how difficult that was to process, or maybe it was a diagnosis, maybe that you received or that someone else received, or, or maybe there was some kind of physical pain in your life that you didn't know what was causing it, and you've realized how difficult it is to, to process that pain without a context, without a purpose, or maybe you've had the opposite. Maybe you've had pain and suffering in your life, but you knew it was for a purpose. You knew it was for a reason. You knew that there was a goal in mind. I know that's definitely the case in, in my life, that I've had both moments where I've had pain and suffering in my life without a context and pain and suffering in my life with a context. And as I was thinking and praying about this sermon, I was um, reminded of when Melissa and I were expecting the birth of our first child, our daughter, Anna. It was, it was a really exciting time. Those of you who have had children know how exciting it is, you know, to be in this, this state of waiting. You know, we, we learned that, that Melissa was pregnant and, and we, we waited. There was this anticipation and God bless my wife, Melissa, you know, she... She endured a lot of the kind of common symptoms that, that women endure during childbearing, right? The, all the things, the, all the pain, all the discomfort. You know, there was one point where, you know, Melissa was, was, we were sitting in our living room and she was telling me all the things that she was going through. You know, she was sitting there and she was explaining to me all the, the symptoms of, of pregnancy, all the things that she was going through. And I said, wow, you know, if I had that, I would just call in sick, you know, like, like I would not go anywhere if I had all those symptoms, but God bless my wife, she was going to work, she was doing stuff, she was running errands, she was, she was active, you know, and it was, it was impressive. And then, of course, there was the, the child, you know, the, the, the birth process, right, this incredible pain and suffering that she was enduring, but the, the, the point was that it was all for a purpose. I think I have a picture here for us, that, what this purpose kind of looked like, right? This was, this was Anna, this is also me without a beard, you know, I look like a child, thank you, somebody. Oh, that was Dee Dee. Okay. Um, yeah, so like this was all for a purpose, right? It all made it easier to endure because it was for a reason. That's what I've realized about purpose is that purpose makes pain bearable. Purpose makes pain bearable. If we know the why, we can endure this pain. If we can know the why, we can endure this thing. Maybe you've experienced this in your own life. Maybe you've realized how purpose makes pain bearable. 
This is a very important lesson for us to learn even as a community of faith, but even if you, you're here this morning, whether in person or online, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know what you believe. And you say, you know what, like, I, I'm not even sure if I believe that, that Jesus is the Son of God, maybe he was a good teacher or whatever it is. Even if that's the case, I believe that this is important for us to learn that pain makes purpose, I, I'm sorry, that purpose makes pain bearable. And, and the way we as people of faith know this is from the scriptures. Um, this morning I'm going to read out of the book of Romans, chapter 8. If you have a Bible with you or, or maybe you have it on your phone or wherever you are, I, I invite you to go ahead and pull out to Romans, chapter 8. We're going to read through verse 22 through 27 this morning. Now, now, Paul is the writer of most of the New Testament, and he's believed to be the writer of this passage, um, of this portion of scripture known as the letter to the Romans. Paul writes to the early church in Rome, one of the, one of the earliest churches we have, and, and as he writes to this church, he writes to a really well-established church, a very important church. And so he's writing to encourage them in the faith. And he writes these words to them. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Listen to this. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. He says this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Paul writes this, this, this passage of Scripture, and it's very important. It, he begins it with this passage about labor pains. We're going to just hold that over to the side, okay? So um, don't get caught up on that. We're, we're going to come back to that in a second. So Paul writes about labor pains. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But, but the next thing he talks about is hope. And he says this, that, that hope that is seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. Romans 8, 24. And, and I wondered what he, was, what he meant by by that passage because I think there are sometimes that we think you know like well in order to have faith we have to believe in something that's not there like that's the requirement that's the that's the bar for having faith and, and I don't think that's the case you know I don't think it's just that there's something that's not there I think it has to be this kind of purpose that, that I believe that what Paul was saying is that the really good kind of hope is, is when you believe that there is something better than this The, 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 the really good kind of life-giving hope is when you believe that there's something out there that is an improvement of what we see. There's a writer by the name of Viktor Frankl. He was a, um, a, a German Jew who endured the camps at Auschwitz during Nazi Germany. And, and while he was there, he was also a trained psychologist. And he started to notice the, the active psychology of the prisoners he was surrounded with. And so he was actually liberated from Auschwitz and began to write many different books. And, and, and he noticed there was something about the people that survived Auschwitz. There was something about the people who survived these camps, and he said this in, in his book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. I would strongly recommend this book to you. He says this, that those who have a why, those who have a why can bear with almost any how. Those who have a why 
can bear with almost any how. Here's what he noticed, that there were people who were at those camps that believed in something better. They believed in the goodness of humanity despite what they saw around them. They believed that there was a hope that they would someday be liberated from this torture, from this camp. There were those people who sat there and believed despite what they saw around them that there was something better. And he said those were the people who survived. That the people who chose life. The people who chose life in those moments, even when they were surrounded, even when they were surrounded by death, the people who chose life were the ones who survived. Of course, there were many, many good people who lost their lives. But he said, more often than not, these were the ones who survived, the best kind of hope drives us to believe that what we see is nothing compared to what is to come. The best kind of hope drives us to believe that what we see is nothing compared to what is to come. Friends, I think this is more helpful today than ever. That, that, that I pray that the thing that separates Christians today from everyone else are people that are defined by hope. Despite an upcoming election in which more U.S. citizens today distrust public leaders and even the very system of democracy, that more people today distrust the entire system than ever more people have negativity towards our leaders. Even today in the midst of a pandemic, where we are, we are seeing the, the rise of numbers here in the city of Dallas, that we know that in the United States, 227,000 people have lost their lives. That even as we look out among all of this, I pray that Christians are the ones that have decided to choose life. That Christians are the ones who have decided to hope that what we see is nothing compared to what is to come. And that comes through our very lives. That our friends, our family, our neighbors will look at us and know that there is something different about the way that we live. And they will look at us and they will ask us, what is different about you? And we will get to tell them about the life-changing love of God through Jesus Christ. Paul says, hope that is seen is not hope because hope drives us to believe that what we see is nothing compared to what is to come. And, and in the meantime, while we are praying for that hope, Paul writes this about the Spirit, that likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how we, uh, to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. I've been wondering a lot about what this means, about the fact that the Spirit intercedes with us with sighs too deep for words. I've been wondering, have you ever had those moments where you had a sigh? A sigh that was too deep for words. You've been in the midst of those moments where you feel like there's no bottom. 
You just keep thinking, like, this is surely the worst it's going to be, and then, and then it's not, and you have that moment, that sigh. Maybe it was when you lost your job. Maybe it was in the midst of a pandemic or even before, and, and now you're even wondering how you're going to make this all right And you had that moment of despair and you had that sigh that was too deep for words. It was in a relationship that you had. Maybe even with a family member. Maybe with your spouse. A loved one, a best friend. And and you had that conflict that really you thought there is no way we're going to be able to overcome this thing. And you had that sigh that was too deep for words. What I believe Paul means by this passage is is that the Spirit sighs with us. The Spirit sighs with us. I think that's the whole point of the incarnation, right? Jesus came. We believe that Jesus was the Word of God made flesh, that that He was God with skin on. He came and endured this life. He was both fully God and fully human, which meant that He endured our pain that we have in this life, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And and I think that, that Jesus did all of that so that when our prayers go to God, when the Spirit sighs alongside us, God can say, I know. You know, my wife Melissa and I, we have these moments, right, where we, we come to each other and we've got a problem, we've got an issue, and we always, we've learned to do this now. We've learned to preface our conversation with, I want to complain, but I don't want you to fix it. Anybody ever had that conversation, right? I want to complain, but I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to hear it. And, and then you go through this thing of like, here's this problem, here's this person that's, you know, this thing that's going on, this, the, the, this issue that I have, here's this thing that's going on in my life, and the most powerful thing that that other person can say is not, well, here's what you need to do. The most powerful thing that that person can say is not, well, they just need to get over it, or they just, you just need to do this, or, or, or they just need to talk and get this sorted out. The most powerful thing that that other person can say is, I know. Paul says that when we have those moments of deep despair, when the world seems to be too much, and we have this sigh that is too deep, uh, too, th- this sigh um, that that th- this this um, this sigh that is too deep for words. When we have these moments in our life, the Spirit sighs alongside us, and God says, "I know. I've been there." Paul says that all of this, all of this that we are enduring, is like labor pains. He says this in 822, the very beginning of this passage that we read, he said, we know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. I love that analogy, that that all of this has been groaning in labor pains until now. Why? Because there's a purpose. 
to this pain. There's a goal, there's a hope that what we experience is nothing compared to what is to come. And I think there's something important to know about this pain, that whenever we experience this pain, we we know that Jesus came and he established the kingdom of God. Jesus came to this earth and he said, look, God has a will for this world and and I'm going to show you what it's like. And so he showed us what it was like. He said, when there are hungry people, they are fed. That's what what God wants done. He said, when there are sick people, they are made well. That's what God wants done. When there are lost people, they are found. That's what God wants done. And then Jesus said, I'm going to entrust you with it. He told the disciples, I'm going to give it to you and you're going to give it to more people and this thing is going to spread and, and I'm going to leave, but I'm going to come back. And Jesus said something, he's just like, you're going to experience pain, you're going to experience suffering. Why? Because Jesus said, I am returning, I am coming back, and whenever I'm coming back, all this will be reconciled back to God. In other words, friends, we are living in the meantime. I want to tell us something important about this pain, that pain alerts us to the gap between our experience and God's kingdom. That any time we experience this pain in this life, any time we experience a global pandemic, any time that we experience an election that just seemed like it won't quit, that any time we experience strife in our relationships, any time we struggle with our work or whoever it is, any time that we have pain and suffering in this life, it is because there is a gap between our experience in the kingdom of God and our goal is to hope through it. Our goal is to hope through it. Friends, I want to tell you the most important thing that I can tell you. That if you don't remember anything this morning, I want you to remember this. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. It's the thing that will save your life. It's the thing that I believe will define us as Christians. That when the history books go back and look at this moment, they will know that we believed in a Savior because of the hope that we had in this world. Friends, whatever you do, don't lose hope. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much. God, you chose us and we aren't quite sure why. God, I I thank you that you chose us even despite our flaws. God, that, that you chose us even because of our flaws so that you might have all the glory, honor, and praise through these moments. God, I pray that you would send down your Holy Spirit, that you would sigh alongside us with a sigh that is too deep for words. God, that, that, that you would empower us through these moments to have the kind of hope That what we are experiencing is nothing compared with what is to come, God, that, that we would have a hope that is beyond hope, that we would have the kind of power to live in this life. That we would have the power to live in this life in a way that expects that your kingdom would come to this earth. We ask it by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.